0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name's Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. I've got a guest host with me today, and we've both worked in youth ministry for over 17 years, many years, and have seen just about everything. And as damaged as we are, we're ready to dive in to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Before we get started, a special thanks to Alob for our intro music. You can find him on Spotify. Just search Alob in the link. Well, Matt Rice is out today, so I have a guest host, and this guest host I've known for a really long time. Uh, She's worked in youth ministry for, uh, what about, about 17 years. Her name is Gwen Bartlett. She is my sister, and she uh, has been doing ministry here in the state of Texas for a while. She is also one of the team members over at Next Level Ministry, uh, one of the directors over there. So, Gwen, hi, how are you? Good, how about yourself? Good, real good. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I've known Chris my whole life, though he can't say the same. True. Um, I have a a bachelor's and master's in theology. I was born and raised in Colorado, uh, much like Chris was. And then uh, after going to college, moved down to Texas, started doing ministry um, about 14 years ago, and uh, have been living in Texas and loving on the people, loving Jesus ever since.
0: Good. And uh, one of the things we're talking about today is games and icebreakers. Sometimes it can be a point of contention of like, why are we doing this? Aren't you supposed to be doing catechesis or teaching? How does a game or an icebreaker fit in? And I want to touch on that. But first, I want to touch on kind of where it lands into our own hearts and our own lives. Gwen and I have been playing games together ever since we were kids. I remember uh, upstairs in the hallway, right? We would sit up uh, and... uh, play this game where we would throw all these Nerf balls at each other, and we had a a, a decently long hallway, at least as children it seemed long, and the goal was to hit the door behind the other person as you're whipping these balls down the hallway, but even as recently as uh, this week for our birthday, we each gift each other a a gaming experience through an escape room, so we went and did the escape room two days ago, you want to talk about that?
1: I mean, we were locked in a submarine and losing air. (laughs) So we had to escape. Um, no, it was a benefit for me that some things were in German because I speak some German. And so we got to skip through some parts and, and save some time on that, which was greatly beneficial because we escaped the room with, what, about three minutes left?
0: Yeah, three minutes to spare. And uh, there, there was, uh, if you've never done one of these escape rooms, um, check them out. We did Escapeology. I think it's a national brand, but we've had real positive mm-hmm. experience with them. But there's this, there's this kind of sense of excitement and the sense of uh, urgency kind of to both of them, you know what I mean? Like the game moves itself along in an escape room. And I think if you've ever played a game that didn't feel like it had both a sense of urgency and kind of a sense of progress or like it was moving towards something, then you're kind of just like, eh, you know what I mean? And uh, one of the reasons why I think that Gwen brings so much expertise is she is excellent excellent at games. Um, you can find some of her resources on some of her go-to games at uh, nextlevelministry.org. Excellent at games. And she deals with middle school students. So I believe that wherever you're at, uh, listener, if you're in adult ministry, if you're in children's ministry, wherever you're at, if, uh, if you have a hard time with engaging your audience or your, the people you minister to in games, I guarantee that Gwen has a harder time because middle school students so what's the biggest challenge in regards to games, especially with middle school students?
1: So the biggest challenge with games with middle school students is uh, would definitely be getting the buy in getting them to want to play the game and uh, you know I think with any and all games there's a purpose if if you're playing a game, there has to be a reason that you're playing it that doesn't mean that it has to be a teachable game or, you know, a catechetical game or or something like that. I think that the reason could be something as as simple as, you know, getting some energy out or having, you know, people get to know one another. Um, There's a lot of different reasons to play games, but yeah, with middle school, definitely the challenge is getting the buy-in. It can be like that as well with with high schoolers or or adults, but a lot of times uh, the relationship that you have with the group can really get that initial buy-in as well. And so your relationship with the group and your excitement, if you go into the game thinking, man, this game's going to suck, then it will because they're going to feed off of, uh, what they're receiving from you.
0: So selling the game is half the battle, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it can be, um, for, for some of the games, some of the games have really dumb names, but just because they're playing a game doesn't mean they need to know the name of it. So if you, uh, And I'll make up totally random and absurd games that I'll even forget the names of. And, you know, I'll write them down on a sheet of paper. So if it's an awesome name, uh, like a game that we play uh, pretty often called Whack Attack. You're like, what's Whack Attack? Do you hit people? Do you hit, like, how does that work? You know, it's a cool name. If it wasn't a cool name, then I'd either try to come up with another one, or I just would explain how the game goes and (laughs) I wouldn't call it anything. I'd just get them pumped and ready and get, get them going
0: so for, uh, for for a minister out there who is um, maybe leading a ministry where people are required to go, maybe it's their sacramental year or maybe it's even like a parent session I think about uh, sometimes like baptism classes and things like that is there a purpose when people there are just like, let's just get this over with. Like, is there a purpose in in doing games? Do games or icebreakers have value in those settings?
1: Absolutely. I would say in those settings, I would definitely want to use games or icebreakers to build community. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, a lot of times we think that the game has to be first, first thing we're doing right off the bat. Uh, But that's not necessarily the case, you know, with, with something like a baptism class, especially if, you know, it's from 8 to 10 a.m., and, you know, there's a lot of information and a lot of catechesis, I might actually put the game at around 8.45 or 9 a.m., have it be a bit of a break to kind of, you know, break up the two-hour section, but then you're also at a point where they've gotten to know you a little bit, they've built a relationship with you a little bit, and they might be at a place where they are a little more relaxed and, you know, open to to having fun or getting to know one another. Or you could also have it right at the beginning where you want to build some community and fellowship with each other or wake them up in the morning and then kind of springboard off of that into your next segment.
0: But I think sometimes when we use the word icebreaker and game interchangeably, we always think, well, an icebreaker has to be at the beginning because that's when the ice needs broken. Uh, But you're saying that actually games can have can have a good point. Is there ever a time where it makes sense to end with a game or is kind of the bonding potential kind of lost at that point? You're like, why did we just all bond now we're
1: leaving? Well, I think it depends on what the purpose is for the game or the activity on that session. You know, in some of our earlier sessions in the year, we'll do something that really focuses on small group bonding and getting to know one another. And with something like that, I would say absolutely, you know, it's appropriate to to end with a game. Sometimes we'll have them do, you know, a small group challenge or or something like that and then break and have their small group discussion. And in those discussions, you know, my volunteers are like, I couldn't get them to say anything. They wouldn't talk at all. And we had a list of a few games for them to do if they completed their discussion. And so since all the questions were being answered very quickly, you know, are you glad to be here? No, yes, kind of. All right, on to the next. Well, why is that? Cause I don't know what she said. <laughs> <You know? laughs> middle middle
0: schoolers, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, but then you know, the, sometimes the best part of the small group is doing the games right before they leave, and and it can also leave that like, hey, that was that was kind of fun. I haven't done that before. You know, kind of kind of taste in their mouth, leaving them wanting to come back the next week. And also, you know, keep in mind that when you do a game or activity. It doesn't have to be everybody, you know, all together at once. You don't have to do a game with the 40 people all together. You know, you could break it down and do five, the, the same game in five, five different groups or different things like that. So kind of think outside the box, what's going to work best for your group? What's going to work the best for your setting and fulfill your purpose?
0: And so what are some of the uh, fruits of games? You already mentioned to get the energy out. And to wake them up, you also mentioned community or bonding. So what are, some of the, uh, what are some of the ways, the desired outcomes that you've utilized games to achieve?
1: I mean, we've done, you know, like you've mentioned, uh, getting the energy out, fellowship, bonding, breaking down a lot of those walls that they may have. You know, you, you sit in a room and you're like, hey, cool, I'm sitting here with a bunch of strangers. But after a game, it can be, hey, cool, I'm sitting here, you know, with a bunch of people that conquered that challenge, you know, um, especially with some of the small group games where uh, there's required physical contact. You're you're coming together and linking arms or or pulling each other through something. That becomes a shared experience. Mm. And uh, especially when you conquer a challenge. And even if that challenge is created by, you know, the person leading the game at the front yelling, one minute left, one minute left, which I'll do that all the time. I will, I'll judge how the game's going. And, you know, usually I don't even look at my clock, but I'm like, okay, they're they're getting kind of towards the end. And so I'll start yelling, you know, 45 seconds just to amp up the pressure and increase the intensity. Add a sense of urgency
0: is, and it makes it more fun. Yeah, yeah
1: it, acc- it increases the excitement. And, and then honestly, I never look at my watch. And you know, sometimes that 45 seconds is only 10 seconds sometimes that 45 seconds is actually two and a half minutes
0: sure sure you
1: know i'm like make a count hurry up hurry up and then do a countdown from 10 and 10 seconds down to the buzzer and of all of the thousands of people that i've done that with i think there's only ever been maybe two that are like hasn't 45 seconds gone by yet yeah 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 (laughs) everyone else is like we've got to finish we've got to do this you know and and you leave feeling at least connected with a few other people. Like, man, we did it. We did, or, oh, we were so close, dude. Next time, we've got to get that, you know, conquered.
0: One thing I love about games in a ministry setting is uh, that it provides opportunities for um, safe physical contact. Now, there are a couple of games I've seen, like the human knot and things like that, uh, become kind of awkward where where body parts have to kind of bump up against each other. And so I, I wouldn't recommend you obviously need to look at the games, but a lot of the games create situations where you're holding hands or you're, you know, put a hand on a shoulder or you know, whatever it is. And it creates positive physical contact. And I think that in our world today, there's not enough of that, you know, in, in middle school and high school, adolescence, especially there's a lot of negative physical contact, you know, Hey, what's up doofus. And then they, you know, punch them in the arm and, and different things like that. or, there's no physical contact, you know, in the adult world, a handshake is kind of the most you get from day to day um, outside of your family, you know? And so I think that that is a neat thing that, a neat fruit that the games offer, you know, and, and then the youth ministry side hug at the end is kind of what we can offer in regards to positive physical touch. But I think games create opportunities for people to interact with each other in, in that way. Um, but one of my concerns is sometimes, especially in some of the games that I lead is I feel like sometimes there are games that are created uh, for extroverts uh, by extroverts. And I know that you're not an extrovert on the scale, and, but you're excellent at leading games. So what about like kind of the variety of people? How, how, does, how do you choose a game that's inclusive or encourage the people who are kind of withdrawn like in regards to that? What about the introverts?
1: Well, so when I choose games, um, I always look for games that are all plays. And if at all possible, so I will rarely ever play a game that's an elimination game where it eliminates one person at a time. Um, If I do play an elimination game, then I create a scenario where those that are eliminated somehow have some sort of buy-in still. So, you know, okay, so once you're eliminated, you become a judge. And so you need to check, you know, and call if somebody's doing this or that, you know, and you walk around and, and that sort of thing. And and there'll be some that that are like, all right, I'm out, I can stand against the wall and others that are buying in and judging and, and calling out people that are cheating or that are out or whatever. But I think a, a really helpful aspect of it is also Uh, Just your volunteers, I think all games that the volunteers should be players, not bystanders. Mm. And with a good mix of volunteers, you're going to have introverts, you're going to have extroverts. And and that's great because just like the people that we're ministering to, you know, we have a whole mix of volunteers. And so having the adults in the midst of those scenarios, and even just like you were talking about, you know, having games that initiate physical contact and things like that, having the volunteers in the midst of the game, playing in the game, they can make sure that, that any of that physical contact is also appropriate or if it's a runaround game that, you know, they're if someone falls, they're running and helping them up and checking and how they're doing. That's really what I would say, you know, is the difference between someone who is involved in relational ministry and someone who's just a chaperone. You know, the chaperone stands against the wall and says, Oh nope, you're out. Hey, what's wrong? Did you get hurt? Whereas someone who's involved in relational ministry is in the midst of the game with them, you know, and instead of being like, you know, oh, well, you're out, man, that was a great job. But you know, you got disqualified or somebody falls down and and they're right down kneeling next to him. Dude, are you all right? You were running so fast. Can I help you up? Yeah, that was
0: crazy, man. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, which you
1: can also have, you know, I know that I have volunteers that just physically can't do games they can't run around but that doesn't count them out and put them up against the wall then what I make them is like our line judge or our you know praise and worship gear protectors so they're standing there with their arms up like all right keep going guys keep going you know and they're cheering them on they're not they're on the sidelines but really not sidelines so I think I think that makes a big difference but with a lot of games you can you can look and kind of judge of you know, what's here for the extrovert? What's here for the introvert? Because for a lot of teens and, and youth especially, like, they just want to play. They don't have, you know, a lot of opportunity, and adults especially don't either, to just play, to have a good time. So whether it's introvert, extrovert, you know, giving them that opportunity and teaming them up, teaming up with them to try and win the challenge.
0: Well, it's, it's so funny that you, you talk about it, they just want to play. There actually does create a situation in a game where you enter into a different world. And that world has its own set of rules and things like that. And so it doesn't matter if you are at the cool kid table or not. And it doesn't matter if you're a parent or an adolescent. Um, We all kind of enter into this kind of childhood state. Like even now, if someone's like, hey, you want to go play Red Rover? And I'd be like, heck yeah, I want to go play Red Rover. You know what I mean? Like I would be like, I'd, I'd reconnect with... Now, uh, granted, I think Red Rover for adults would lead to some broken bones, but that's a well, the different first that,
1: thing. I think of is broken arms. Yeah, <laughs> that's God a man, different I story. All the, like
0: but like hide and go seek, I play with my kids and I get giddy, you know what I mean? I, I get excited to, to be able to play that. And, uh, and there's something, it just takes us into a different world. And I think that's the point is because we journey into that world together, you know, but I think that sometimes there can be a tension. And so I want to I ask you this, if a parent came to you and, and was like, you know, let's say your program is an hour long, or something like that, and said, you know, I'm, I'm really um, disappointed that you guys played a game for 20 minutes tonight, um, because we only had, you know, we had a, you know, a 20-minute small group, which means we only heard a talk or teaching for 20 minutes of the night. Like, if we would have eliminated the game, we could have had 40 minutes of teaching, and and then 20 minutes of small group to process it. What would you say to that, to that parent, or the, to that concern?
1: Well, honestly, with That I know it's kind of coming as as a direct attack on the game, but I would first address it with where the youth or the teens are at as adolescents. People can generally pay attention for the number of minutes of however old they are. So, you know, working with 11 to 13 year olds, they can focus for a maximum of 11 to 13 minutes. So talking at them for an additional 20 minutes isn't going to make a difference anyways having a 20 minute talk in and of itself is quite a long talk for middle schoolers even for high school teens i mean and i think even as adults you know we really max out about 20 25 minutes is our I level was going to say i'm a
0: 15 year old according to that you know what i mean i'm just 15 yeah. years old yeah it's great
1: yeah it's just it's just hard hard to keep the focus and and there's different you know youth ministry hacks and and things like that that you can use to refocus. But starting, it, especially if you're if you're truly using an icebreaker as an icebreaker, it can really allow people to feel more comfortable. You know, if if you go in um, and maybe you've experienced this, you know, going to a church um, that's that's not your home parish, going to some other church, and and you walk in and you're like, all right, and you know it's the church, and you know you know that we're all united as Catholics but you feel a little uneasy because it's not your home. Sure. It's not what you're used to. And so in youth group and especially with, you know, middle school and high schoolers, they walk in and they feel uneasy because they feel like everyone else belongs here and is comfortable except for them. They feel like the odd man out. So starting with the game can help to alleviate some of that discomfort, but More importantly, alleviating that discomfort and helping them feel part of the community is so vital because your heart's not going to be open and vulnerable if you're not comfortable just being there. So how are their hearts going to be open to the truth and love of Jesus Christ? if they're not even comfortable with just sitting there with the people next to them. Right. And so we want to help kind of build that and, and let them know that it is safe. It is safe to, to run around and act foolish. It is safe to open your heart and share your struggles. It is safe to, you know, encounter the Lord and and see what he has for you.
0: A 40 minute uh, teaching uh, presented to a closed door is not as effective as a 20 minute teaching to an open or a crack door. And I believe that games and icebreakers are what open up that door, the door to your heart. Right. Yes. Yes.
1: There you go. For so a second, be- I was like, why are you talking to a door? It's so beautiful. <laughs> the door to your heart. But, but you uh, kind of jumping back uh, just a minute, you were talking about how everyone, you know, loves to just enjoys to play like and has the opportunity, you know, even adults or children or or whatever um, they've actually found with video games that the the standard demographic now is uh, people in their mid thirties. It's no longer something that's for teenagers, but people in their mid thirties are the most uh, most common demographic. Uh, personally, I I love the quote, and I don't know if I made it up or heard it somewhere or whatever, but uh, you know it doesn't matter how old you are or how many degrees you have you'll always look like a fool when you're chasing a bouncy ball. <laughs> I think it's so true, you know, but at the same time, when you're chasing a bouncy ball, like, it's just fun. Like, no, yeah. get it. You know, you'll also have a good time.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's even more fun when you're chasing the bouncing ball with someone else. So it's, it's fun together. Yeah. I think there's this uh, profound disconnection that exists in our society now with the dawn of social media and things like that. And it's not just the teens that know it. You mentioned that that when adolescents show up or when teens show up or middle school students, they're nervous or it's awkward. I think that's everywhere now. I think it's adults and everyone just, I mean, you, you go out to restaurants and you see married couples all staring at their phones while they're sitting across from each other at a restaurant. And you just start to wonder, like, how do we engage? And I believe that games or icebreakers give people permission to engage and almost uh uh, force the engagement uh because the games have a clear beginning and ideally a clear end what are some tips that you would give in regards to someone who's who's leading games because i've made a mistake i like invented this game and the explanation took like 15 minutes and the game was only like four minutes long it was a disaster and i still it's the pops for those who know me it's the popsicle stick game it was uh, yeah never again but uh Well, for game masters, game leaders, what tips would you give for someone who's like, I'm going to try and lead this game? You already mentioned one that you look to all plays. So the upfront games where it's like one or two people, unless it's like hilarious, like everyone's like really entertained by it. And I think about like Jimmy Fallon, late night with Jimmy Fallon, he does some of those games. Otherwise, you want everyone involved. What are some other tips?
1: Well, and you also have to remember with upfront games that while it's fun for the moment, everyone else is still physically sitting in their seats. So their attention span clock starts because they're not moving and they're not up front. So we do up front games on occasion, but that's just, that's just it is that it's on occasion. Um, well, I would say first thing is remember that you are the game master. The person leading the game is the game master. And so that person um, just needs to know that they're an authority. They're the one who's not just explaining the rules, but a lot of times we'll have a game going and I'll, I'll see something, you know, not working or needs to be adjusted. And so I'll just make up a new rule on the spot. The players don't know the game. They don't know what the rules are. They don't know that I just made it up. (laughs) And so it doesn't matter. It's just a rule of the game. Why? Because I said so. Yeah, my Uh, favorite is
0: when you see that there's kind of this personality that's dominating the game. And then you're just like, oh, you just lost your voice. You can't talk for the rest of the time. (laughs) Yeah, you're mute and then it, yeah. it it forces everyone else to kind of step in to, to that leadership role and gives everyone a chance to engage. So yeah, be the game master, call audibles along the way to make the game a great experience. Okay, what else yeah. you got?
1: Ideally, and it depends on the game, but the majority of the time you want to get them in their starting locations before you explain the game. So if you can take away that one additional step of like, okay, now everyone break up into eight groups. And then we're going to, you know, people are thinking, whose group am I going to be in? Where am I going to be? Am I going (laughs) to be with my friend? So if you start by everybody getting the groups of, you know, 10 or whatever it is, all right, now have a seat and turn and face me. And then you explain the rest of the rules. Then it tends to be a little bit more effective. You also, you always want to end a game when it's going strong. So you know, we play the game whack attack and everybody's running around and, you know, hitting each other with pool noodles and all this stuff. And, and it was amazing. And it was a really fast round and it only took four minutes and they want to do it again. And they're really pumped, but we have time for it. They're really excited for it. Let's do it a second time. And we finished the second round and you know, that took five minutes and, and we still have five more minutes of game time and, and they were all pumped up. But if we do it a third round, like There's going to be some that are tired. There's going to be some, you know, that are just done. We've already played this. And what's going to happen if we play a third round, then the next time that we go to play whack attack, they're going to be like, oh, that game again. It doesn't matter if it's in two weeks or two years, Uh, maybe two years will work, but you know, two weeks, two months, they're going to remember the last part of the game was that it just kept going on and on and on. So finish while you're ahead. You know, you want to end the game when they're hyped up and, uh, and I've tested that before and been like, no, that's just his theory and it'll be great. No, didn't work out. Yeah. (laughs) Those are, those are a, a couple of, uh, a couple of really clutch tips. And if, when at all possible, which it should be possible almost all the time, have your adults on board knowing and understanding the game ahead of time or your volunteer's especially with the games, I'll, I'll run through a quick explanation before we start the session just with the adults. And I'll throw out, you know, a couple of things to watch for. Hey, it's a runaround game. You know, we have the stage up front. We need to be careful of the corners of the stage. And oh, I can't play, you know, because I have a bad knee. Awesome. Can you guard one of the corners of the stage? So you have uh, some of those things already ready. Or uh, we have, uh, we play in a, in a giant hall that's just all tile. Uh-huh. We have a big uh, old piece of carpet for the youth to sit on during the talks and whatnot. And uh, so now it's actually become almost, you know, kind of a common mantra with the middle school youth group. I'm like, okay, so remember the carpet, because the edges will flip up and they'll clip the toes of people running and make them fall. And uh, and I'm like, and remember the carpet, and they'll all yell out, is our enemy. <laughs> <And> so- <laughs> Just different, different things like that uh, to be aware of. But there's some some other great tips and, and things like that on the uh, nextlevelministry.org blog. Um, I think I actually have a blog up there that talks about you being the game master and, and how to win with games and icebreakers.
0: Yeah, so uh, so nextlevelministry.org is where they can find you. Um, how can they contact you if they have questions or want to talk
1: to you? Yeah, they can find my email through the Next Level Ministry website um, or just email me directly, Gwen, G-W-E-N, at nextlevelministry.org. And uh, shoot me an email with any questions or comments. I always love hearing new game ideas. So if you're thinking of something or want to talk it out, or uh, just hit me up and I'd be glad to chat with you.
0: Great. Um, One thing I want to kind of end on, and I want to give you a chance to share any other thoughts you have as well, but uh, Gwen is an expert at making the game her own. And so you'll see these different games and you can Google a game and you can see it. But uh, Gwen, I really think that you have a gift in regards to taking it and being like, how do I go ahead and translate this into sixth grader? You know what I mean? How can I take this game and make it exciting for a seventh grader or make it fit the size of my group or make it fit the time constraint that I have? And so I want to encourage you ministry leaders uh, to go ahead. And if you find an idea or game to go ahead and adapt it, don't, don't be afraid to Frankenstein pieces so that it works with your needs and things like that. So Gwen, any closing thoughts?
1: Um, I I think that's a great point, you know, with, with anything that you're doing, whether it's a game, a teaching, even, even a session that you have that another youth group did that was awesome, you need to you need to make it match your group. It can be, maybe you're working with a group that's 200 people. Maybe you're working with a group that's 12. You can both be successful with that same game, but not in the same way. And so you need to adapt it and adjust it. And, and there's things, you know, and opportunities that groups with large ministries of 200 that they can do um, that smaller ones can't. But there's just the opposite is also true. You know, there's things that, with, you know, your youth group being 10 or 12 kids, there's great opportunities that you have that larger ministries can't do. And, uh, and so just make it work for you. But I would always start, you know, first and foremost, what's the purpose of this game, this icebreaker, or this activity? Is it for fellowship? Is it for bonding? Is it for catechesis? Is it to fill a time spot? Because if it's just to fill the time, then you might want to reevaluate. But look at what your purpose and your reason is, and then go from there.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's just to reset their attention span, and that's a great reason for a game, you know uh-huh. what I mean? So, all right, listeners, I want to hear from you. What are some of the different ways that uh, you've incorporated games, or what are some of your go-to games? Um, you can go ahead and find us. Join the discussion at facebook.com slash groups slash Um That is a closed group. You just hit request, and we'll let you in. Don't worry. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Podcast. Stitcher, which is in the show notes. You can find us in Google Play. You can also find us there. We're also on a website. You can go ahead to com, and then you can email us, mla at org. Uh, write us a review on iTunes and share this with another ministry leader. Subscribe to the podcast. Also, you can support us. Uh, a lot of times I hear people say, buy us a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. What I want to do is... Uh, is get some better equipment, get some sound that's going to be a little bit better for uh, a wider audience and things like that. But you can do that at patreon.com slash podcast. You can be a patron of us and... Uh Last but not least, I want to encourage you, if you are not doing an icebreaker or games involved in your ministry in some way, I want you to rethink that. Even if it's like, oh, we are a bereavement ministry, there is seriously a way that you can go ahead and incorporate it to make people feel more comfortable and more open to the message of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And games are a great way to go ahead and make that a reality. Special thanks to Gwen Bartlett for joining us. Closing thought, Gwen.
1: Just keep in mind with games and icebreakers, it doesn't have to be a runaround game like TAG. I don't imagine a a bereavement ministry being like, all right, let's play the blob, ready, go, you know, and and sprinting and chasing. But, But it can be something, you know, as simple as sitting in your chairs and giving each person a piece of paper and having them talk with the person next to them and then draw their face on the back of their paper. And at the end, they have to introduce whoever they, you know, they have to say a few facts about the person they talked about and everyone has to guess based on the picture who it was they interviewed. You know, that's, that's a great getting to know you that you're not gonna like be having anyone falling down or, or breaking knees or, or anything like that. Games don't just have to be run,
0: run around, around, though
1: that tends yeah. to be the most popular.
0: And uh, in that game that you mentioned in regards to drawing someone's face, I guarantee you in a bereavement group, It will lead to a laugh that is needed, a desperately needed laugh because they'll be like, this is one I'm not that good at uh, drawing and the person will see, oh, that's totally me, that's hilarious, you know, my glasses are that big or whatever, you know, it's just, it's so good. Games can do so much. So, um, you know, games help us us journey together and here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. So take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and we'll see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.